Well, we gave you a three-minute leeway today. How many people are staying up till midnight tonight? Yeah, uh-huh, that's what I thought. No way, huh? Mm-mm. I got a kick out of it last year. My aunt was telling me about my grandmother. She's in a nursing home in South Carolina, but they had their New Year's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I thought, yes, that I'll be at. But not at midnight. No. Mm-mm. I'm going to take a few minutes before we get started and talk about our faith, or our faith Bible Institute class, which is getting ready to start up again. Next Saturday will be week one. It is now done primarily online. We don't meet every week anymore um, since... Of course, with COVID, everything kind of changed a little bit, and they've perfected their online uh, presence. All the testing's done online. All the classes are online. So we just kind of meet and do that individually. So it's almost kind of a self-study. If I'm being honest, I did mine in the course of three weeks over Thanksgiving, right after Thanksgiving, all like 17 weeks. I just sit there and got through it real quick now I think I don't think that's the best way to do it it's probably best to do it each week but um, so you can do it as it works into your plan is the point Uh, we are going to meet for the first two weeks up in the teen room though but we're going to meet on Saturday morning at nine o'clock if you are not sure whether you want to attend the class or not show up no cost just the time each class will be about three hours long Uh, we go through three different topics during that time you can attend uh, the first Saturday next Saturday and then the Saturday after that after that if you choose to sign up we'll get you the materials and you you just do it on your own this is one of the books that we're getting or your workbook that you get each semester um, and it's just a follow-along, fill-in-the-blank style lesson. Uh, this is just Semester 5's book, so after the three-year class, you have a very good resource commentary to utilize uh, for your studies. This semester, Semester 5, we're going to be looking at the decline and fall of Israel and Judah, specifically the books of Hosea, Micah, Isaiah, Nahum, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, and Lamentations. So we spend about an hour. Uh, The Old Testament class is usually the first hour of each class. For the New Testament portion of the class, we're going to be looking at the New New Testament Epistles 3, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Hebrews, 1st and 2nd Peter, and Jude. And then the third hour of class is generally on uh, different theological topics. So this semester we're going to be doing the doctrines of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of Satan, and the doctrine of man over the course of 17 weeks is the uh, amount of time in the class. Excuse me. 
the first enrollment for cost, I want to uh, think it's around 180 maybe with books, maybe less. Um, but once you get the other textbook that we use, um, the renewals each semester around 120, I think, or 80. Don't let cost be a, a restriction for you. If that's the only restriction, come see me and we'll talk about options there. Um, so we got cost, really isn't a reason not to come. Time, well, I can't go Thursday night for three weeks every week. Now that it's on your own, that really isn't a reason not to come. Well, there's reason, really not a reason not to sign up. I tell you, it's a wonderful discipleship uh, plan. The course is designed for saved believers that are a member of Central Baptist Church or a member of a like-minded church. So it's designed as a discipleship study. So if you have questions, though, please come see me. Come see Ms. Brenda. She's one of our uh, biggest supporters right now. Just love the class. Um, we'll be, this semester will be the second time that we've been through it. So, uh, and he's been teaching these materials since 1985. 30 plus years. So he's been through the series well over 10 plus times. So, and each semester it's different or each year it's different. So this is my second year through the study. It's while it's going over the same books of the Bible, he goes over different illustrations, different archaeological finds that may have come up in the last few years that support scripture, which he's pretty heavy on. It's pretty interesting. So if please, if you have any questions, come come see us on that. Okay. Everybody else have a good day? Everybody's kind of quiet this morning. Usually there's some robustness at least until five after. But Larry shut the doors a little bit early, so it's just tired. Okay. No, I'm with you. Holidays are almost over, right? I love the holidays, but I like getting back to normal too, or whatever normal is. I guess normal's different for each one of us. Um, we're going to be, uh, our Sunday school class is going through the book of Revelation. And we have been studying the seven letters to the seven churches. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3. We're going to have our reading starting in verse 7. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. The Bible says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, notice here these are the words of Jesus being spoken to John, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, 
I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so uh, honored be in your house again this morning, uh, this Sunday school hour, this time to uh, open up your word, to see what you would have for us, and just to begin spending uh, this special uh, time that uh, you've set aside for us to uh, be with you on this Sunday that uh, we just are honored and uh, uh, just excited to be here this morning. We love being able to spend time with our brothers and sisters here to be able to uh, uh, fellowship, to be able to uh, love on one another, to be able to lift up one another where there's a need, to be able to express maybe a need we have so that our brothers and sisters can pray for us, lift us up. And while we didn't take time for prayer requests, Lord, I have no doubt there's many present. You know of them, and we just lay them all at your feet. Lord, be with Brother Lynn as he is preparing uh, to preach here just a little while. Prepare our hearts and our minds even now to be open um, and sensitive to your word. Lord, again, be with this uh, Sunday school hour that we would glean some personal uh, knowledge, personal inspiration from this teaching. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're looking at the church in Philadelphia this morning. Notice that it starts off, and we have the words of Jesus here speaking to John in a personal letter to that church. And we often read through this, and, and you might kind of miss the point that this is a personal letter that Jesus asked John to pen to this church. You notice in, in verse 8, it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the angel, the, um, the minister, 
These letters are designed to be given to the minister of that church to be read to the church as a whole. Wow, what a Sunday or day that would have been, huh? Preacher stands up. I got a letter here that I have been tasked to read from Jesus. It's about our church. You feel nervous all of a sudden? You feel excited? Oh man, what's he going to have for us? If you're familiar with the other letters that we've already studied, like in the previous letter just before here, Sardis, you have a church that was large church, a vibrant church, a church that was going out and had all the ministries correct. And he said, I know thy works, but you're a dead church. Golly, if you, I mean, sitting there, a letter from Jesus right there, and he, that's what you get. So I'm sure word had gotten around already that, man, these churches have gotten these letters from God, and he's, he's telling it like it is. So be prepared. And we get there, we're at Philadelphia that morning, and the minister is going to read this letter. Of course, we know the meaning of Philadelphia, probably. Uh, we have, of course, the city here in the United States named uh, like that. Brotherly love, right? The city of brotherly love. Anybody been to Philadelphia? Would anybody describe it as the city of brotherly love, I wonder? Um, it's just, you start off just with the name of alone. We see that in Philadelphia, there's something that's standing out amongst that church. And it's the fact that they love one another. They love one another. We have looked in previous lessons at kind of what uh, God has for us and what, what love is is supposed to be. If you would, flip over to 1 John chapter 3. Just a few pages to the left. First John chapter 3, and let's start reading. We're going to read a small section here in verse, starting in verse 11. John, again has for us. He says, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that, the, we, know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren, he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
And if you continue reading down through this chapter, you'll see, and we've taught on this, the first sign of honest salvation and sincere salvation is that you show a love for other Christians. A sincere love. A love that is noticeable to even others. If you don't have a love for other Christians, then there needs to be a self-examination uh, there. Because if that's the Bible tells us right here. The first sign of true salvation is love. So, and we've even said, he said, and those that hateth his brother is a murderer. If you hateth your brother, that's not the sign of a true Christian. And we even taught when we went over this that you have love and you have hate and you either love or you hate. If you just tolerate, <laughs> that's not love. That's not love to another Christian. You're to love each other. So I would suggest, and as we'll see as we go through our section in Revelation, that Jesus is noticing the love that the folks in Philadelphia have for one another. In some of our prior churches, they were doing everything right. All their ministries were correct. They were going out on outreach. They were seeing people saved. They were discipling. They were teaching. They were preaching. They were doing all the things right, but their heart wasn't in the right place. And he called them dead. This church in Philadelphia was doing all the right things. They were preaching. They were seeing people saved. They were going to outreach. And their heart was in the right place. And he doesn't condemn them. Philadelphia is one of, the, of only two churches listed that don't receive a condemnation from God here. So he's saying, you're not only doing the right things, but your heart's in the right place. Love is where that point starts. I uh, looked up, there was a philosopher from the 1800s that claim that Christianity is unique because love is a requirement of calling yourself a Christian. If you don't have that love, go back to 1 John, you can't call yourself a Christian. There's other religions that love is a part of it, but love comes as a... If you are doing certain things... Or if somebody's doing certain things, then you're to love them. That's not what John said in 1 John, is it? He's saying, if you're saved, love your brethren if they're nice to you. That's not what it says. It just says, love your brethren. Love your brethren if they love you back. It doesn't say that. It just says, love your brethren. It's a requirement of Christianity. I found another quote from another individual who wrote regarding love for enemies. The quote says, Our individual, extraordinary, and perfect goodness consists in loving our enemies. 
to love one's friends is common practice, but to love one's enemies only appears among Christians. Now, 1 John, I'll acknowledge, was purely talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. So your brothers and sisters that are saved as a part of your church. You're to love those folks. You know, we're we're all supposed to love everybody, though, right? Because they're all a creation of God. They're not the enemy. They're victims of the enemy, right? So we're to love them. Sometimes I think we get so caught up in the in the in sin, maybe in, in 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 dispelling the sin and rejecting the sin that we lose the fact that there's a person trapped in it that we need to see saved, that we need to outreach to, and that's that's a a, a very common uh, thing with Christians. I mean, we say that, and none of us are getting nervous about it or like, man, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, no, we're Christians and that's what Jesus teaches us. So we don't have an issue with that. And the people in Philadelphia, um, they didn't seem to have an issue with that. They were doing the things that needed to be done. So a little bit about Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia was about 30 miles down the road from Sardis as we have gone through these churches. Um, it's uh, you would notice it's kind of a, 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 it would be common to take this path to these churches in this area to deliver these letters. So we, we get to Philadelphia now, which was an important center of Greek culture. I mean, there was a lot of Greek influence here. A large number of Jews were also known to be from Philadelphia. Here again, we have a church that is alive and faithful. They're focusing on Christ. They're making Christ the center. Their focus is upon reaching and growing people for Christ. And their focus is upon teaching people to love Christ and to love one another more and more. So they're doing the things that needed to be done with the right heart for it. They were doing a good job maintaining or keeping the social influences out of the church. As we have kind of gone up to, through our other churches, we see that they, these other churches had let sin, had let society influences creep into their church. And thus we're seeing, um, which affected their hearts, which affected their spirit in which then Jesus was criticizing. Philadelphia was doing the right things by keeping that out of the church. So again, we have in verse 7, says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy. Here we have Christ giving some descriptors of himself as he starts this letter saying, I'm getting ready to tell you some things, and I tell you this as a start because I say this because I'm holy. He says, again, three things. And the first one he says here is he is holy. Holy is a description of God himself. So we have Jesus here claiming and taking on the personality of God. 
Holiness means to be set apart and different from all other beings completely and totally. And as I've already mentioned, you had uh, other churches here that they weren't doing a good job staying set apart. They weren't doing a good job maintaining their church as a holy place. They were bringing in outside influences and, and outside sin. Um, we talked about this a little bit last week in our, in our class. It's important that we maintain holiness when we come to this place to serve God, isn't it? And to worship God. Sunday morning, Sunday school, it's not just an hour that we get together. Um, we're getting ready to meet it here in a little bit for our designated service time to worship God. And it should be a solemn, reverent time. Um, we sing to Him to worship Him with the right heart, right? We open up His Word and we give that time a special time to allow that, the preaching to touch us, to penetrate us, to find a way to speak to us. He, we ask for Him to show up here through the Holy Spirit, and speak to us through that preaching, through this time where we open His Word. It should be a holy time. I see a lot of churches now that, uh, you know, they might have, allow, you know, drinks and snacks and, you know, let's meet here and we'll have all this stuff. Or it's, a, it's just, it, it doesn't become a holy event. I heard of one church over Easter a couple of years ago that had a nacho time during for that event. I mean, really? It's funny, but then again, it's tragic. I mean, this is a time to worship the God, not, not a God, right? The living God, the only God, and we're having a nacho meal? No, it's a holy time. We ask that we don't bring drinks into the sanctuary. It's a special place. Um, and I've heard folks kind of grumble about that from time to time. That's one way we use to keep this a holy place. To keep it a holy place. I remember several years ago we had an incident where we had somebody wanting to bring a, an animal into services and we were like no this is a holy place no goats <laughs> from the goat farmers this is a holy place we've set aside this time and this place to worship God now it's just the building if uh, when we when I wasn't at the church this time, I really wish I would have been. It would have been fun to be a part of. But when you were at the theater, 
that was the place that you designated, and thus that was the place that was set aside as a holy place to worship God, right? So it's just wherever we designate as that place, but this is that place. We want to maintain God being holy. You don't have to flip over to there, but Psalm 99 says, The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. If you go on, exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar that they kept his testimonies and the ordinances that he gave them. They answereth them, O Lord our God, thou wast a God that forgavest them, thou, though thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. And uh, Psalm 99 9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. And then we see in Hebrews a little bit of a transition. But exciting, nonetheless. Hebrews chapter 4 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now we have, through Christ, access to a holy God directly. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, all these letters have been addressed to the angel of the various churches. I've been involved in discussions about exactly who the angel is. Is that another term? I think through the studies that I've read, they mainly direct and use that term as the pastor, pastor. as a minister, as a as a messenger. So he's an person, yeah, no. that's the the studies I've read. I, that's an interesting thought on the other side too. But we have access to that holy God through Christ Jesus. And then Christ continues in verse 8. He says, these things saith he... I'm sorry, next. I was about to read you Sardis. Stay on Philadelphia. These things saith he that is holy and he that is true. He that is true. The, the word true here means the true as opposed to the false, the genuine as opposed to the counterfeit, and the real as opposed to the unreal. Jesus is the real, the genuine, the real God. He is the only living and true God. There's no other. Um, all the other, 
and I'll say here's small g gods that people worship, they're false. They're counterfeit. You can't be the one and only true God and there be another one. That seems pretty basic, doesn't it? In the Lord Jesus Christ, we are worshiping the only true and living God. And that provides me a great feeling of confidence and reassurance, doesn't it? I mean, through Scripture, we, we see that. We see it told. I've heard people say, well, nowhere in this book does Jesus say he's God. And I'm thinking you haven't read it. I mean, there's just no way you can read this book and come out of it with that statement. We're worshiping My pages are mixed up. The one and only God. There we go. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we see as we continue through John this, this development. John 1.14. And the Word was made flesh. God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the forgotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, are you saying he's the only way to salvation? Yeah, because the Bible says that. And I know you want to start a, a debate amongst um, unbelievers, you know, that's, a, that's sometimes a hurdle for folks. Well, how can you be the only? I'm not saying it's the one and only. I'm saying the Bible says it's the one and only way. John 14, 7, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. If you know Jesus, then you know God, then you know his Father, Right? 1 John 2.8, again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Jesus is true. So he says in verse 7, I'm writing these things to you, Philadelphia. I, I write it because, first off, I'm holy. First off, I'm true. Secondly, he that hath the, he's saying, he, I have the key of David. Oh, okay, this is interesting here. What's this key of David? He says, this key, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. So what's this key of David? Again, you don't have to flip back, but if you, uh, the reference goes back to Isaiah twenty-two twenty-two. The short uh, version of this story is King Hezekiah had a faithful servant who was named Eliakim. Uh, this servant was the personal secretary to King Hezekiah, and he was put in complete charge of the king's affairs. Complete charge. No one would gain entrance under the king's presence without first coming through his assistant, Eliakim. This servant alone determined who entered the king's court. 
God spoke to Isaiah the prophet one day and said these words, Isaiah 22, 22. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so that he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. This key of David is a symbol of authority. So we hear in Revelation, Christ says, he that hath the key of David, he's saying, I have this key of David. And through me, you only get access through me. I'm the one with the authority. Jesus Christ alone opens and shuts the door into God's court and presence. He alone determines who lives in heaven with God the Father. He alone grants entrance into the presence of God. Now, as I was studying this, I'm writing this down, I'm making notes, and I'm thinking, uh-oh. Don't get confused here and try to use this as some um, defense on election. To say, well, if Jesus has the key and he has the authority, I don't get there except through his letting me in there and choosing me for that. We're, we're getting kind of wound up there, if you have that thought. You ask Christ for that access and he grants it. That's all that's saying. You ask Christ, you say, I accept you, I accept uh, your death, burial, resurrections, I accept you, and he grants you that authority with that key. That's simply the, the reference here. This door of, of heaven is then opened, but then noticed it can't be closed by anyone. A great picture of security of your salvation there, right? Nobody can keep you out of that once he opens it. No other person or being has that authority other than Christ. Jesus Christ alone holds that key. There's some other, I think, rather obvious um, interpretations and illustrations that can come for this, come from this reference that I think bear on our services today. It's New Year's Eve, right? Tomorrow starts a new year. Well, Jesus Christ is the one who opens the door to ministry opportunities, to soul winning opportunities. To, you know, to just, if you're looking, in the next month we start our uh, ministry opportunities um, stewardship month. It's a great time to consider where am I going to serve next year? What am I going to do that might be a little bit different than I'm doing now? And as I say that, God and Jesus is going to open a door, I think, for each one of you. There's a door that's going to come open. Whether it's in ministry, whether it's in a serving of some type, might be to sing in our choir. Maybe it's to get involved volunteering with uh, the, uh, the academy. Maybe it's to teach. And before you say, ooh, I couldn't do that, I didn't think I could either. 
Um, I, I uh, When we first started coming here, I remember I told Pastor when we sat down with him, I said, Cindy and I are looking for a church home. We love it here at Central. We feel like God's leading us. But all we want to do is just come to church, you know, and really kind of, you know, get to know people. I'm not ready to, you know, teach and do all. I just, no. Two years later, yeah, the, you know, God opened doors, and I challenged myself to don't say no. If I felt like God was opening the door, I challenged myself not to say no just because it was uncomfortable. And, and for me, that came through pastor coming to me and saying, hey, we have an opportunity. Would you consider doing this? I felt like, well, as God's messenger through being a minister here, he, that's proof that that door is open. So I challenged myself not to say no just because it might be uncomfortable to teach in here or in a smaller setting, or, or do FBI, um, which isn't always convenient, but it's, it's a, just a great study and a great uh, time with God in, in, in His Word and, and the, the learning and, and the knowledge and, and, and uh, special that has come from that. Doing things that might be uncomfortable. If you sense God opening that door, I challenge each one of you there as we go into new, the new year. This church is, in my opinion, a, an alive church, right? We're seeing people saved. We're having baptisms. I mean, nearly every week. Our ministries are growing. We have a, a school that's just phenomenal. And we're seeing an impact on our children through that. We have a building committee looking at options on how are we going to continue with these ministries um, that just are we're busting at the seams in areas. How are we going to continue that? It is exciting here. But as exciting as this past year was, what's next year going to be like? What doors is God going to open for us that we need to be mindful for and walk through so that we can be obedient to Him in that regard. We see this church in Philadelphia, in, uh, if you look in verse 8. I know thy works, he said. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. This church in Philadelphia, most agree, was a very small church. Just a few people, maybe. But it sounds like, man, they made a great impact. They made a great impact. Philadelphia itself was... Located, it was kind of a border town that touched three other towns. Uh, Lydia, uh, my, I'm sure I'm pronouncing these wrong, but Mysia and uh, uh, another one. I won't even try to present it. Three towns. And they had this, this main travel road that kind of went through the area. So they were seeing a lot of people coming through there. But we had this, this small church that were given 
this open door to minister to these people that were coming in and out, that were coming in and out. And all they had to do was present the gospel to these folks. Just present the gospel. I mean, isn't that our first mission as a church together? Is to reach out to the lost? I mean, that was Christ's, in Christ's word, that was his own mission, Luke 19.10, for the Son of God has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And this is the mission he gave to his churches, John 20.21, 20, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. He's saying just simply reach out to the lost. I've opened a door for you. See people saved through your ministries. And I look at this church. Are we not kind of strategically located? Um, I've heard Pastor mention this, but since coming from Hartford to here and being kind of a county church now almost, I mean, we've seen uh, folks from different communities uh, come in where uh, being on Hartford, they, we didn't see that before. I mean, we have the, that door's been opened. Each one of us have an open door to share to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to friends, family. Are we walking through it or are we hesitant? Um, I'll mention this. It was a door that was open for me. And, you know, it's just through God. We had COVID and we had this, this time where we were not coming to church for, what, four to six weeks? We were still teaching Sunday school at the time, so I started uploading the messages on Facebook. Just for some, you know, if somebody wanted to watch, great. If nobody watched, hey, I got a good study out of it. I got, I got time with God through it. But I did start noticing that people were watching that I didn't know who they were or where they were from. Huh. So after we got back, I started, well, I, I mean, all it is is turning my cell phone on, so let's keep doing this. I don't know what's happening, but it's a outreach method, right? We're using technology. Well, in that three years, I still do it. Um, these mess, I, I record uh, just simply teaching Sunday school and, and put it on a, a podcast each week. It's just something that takes zero amount of time, but yet who, it was a door that was open that I thought, well, why not just keep doing it? Since that time, I, I looked this morning, uh, that these, these simple Sunday school messages have been downloaded like 28,000 times in 88 different countries. Really? I mean, wow. Israel, India, Russia, all kinds of places that seek, and there are people hunger, hungry for word, the simple biblical teaching. It's nothing I'm doing. Trust me, it's all God. I get that. But it's just a simple tool that is seen. I don't know the benefit from it and probably won't this side of heaven. But it's just a simple thing that can be done. What, what's, what door is going to be open to you that might just be a simple thing, but yet may have a great impact? And just be receptive to that. Jesus has the key to that door. He's going to let you and open it up for you. I guarantee you, going into stewardship month, 
a door is going to be open for everybody here. I really believe that. In some way. It may be the same door that was open last year. Just keep going. Right? If it's a different door, and you're like, man, I don't know if I can do that. I challenge you, try. I don't know if I can devote. I mean, this sounds like a lot of reading and studying and watch. It is, but wow, it's impactful. Try it. It's a door that is open really to everybody here. So this kind of turned into a little bit of a New Year's message. But I thought, well, that's kind of neat how, how God illustri- uh, works that out. But I challenge each one. Be prayerful uh, as we get through, we finish up this year, and we, for just one last moment, from in my mind, celebrate. We had an awesome year at Central Baptist Church. But I am so excited about what's going to happen next year. And if each one of us take that challenge to do something for, for Christ and for God, through an opportunity that comes up, the opportunities are endless of how we can, the impact we can have in this community and from around the world. Dear Heavenly Father, again, thank you for this time. I uh, thank you for the uh, time that uh, my friends here have, have uh, taken to be able to show up early, to be able to be receptive to your word to be um, prayerful I believe there's a challenge for each one of us here not just for uh, those listening but for those speaking as well this challenge is as we go into this these uh, weeks and days to come there's going to be a door that you're going to open for us at some point and I believe that the a good challenge today is for us just to be open receptive and willing to take that step maybe it's not something that we have any experience in but we can there's somebody here that we can uh put them with to get that experience we have a large church we have a lot of different talents in this church and we can help people along you've put people here to be able to discipleship and and assist others There's no excuse, really, for us not choosing to go through a door that you've opened for us, Lord. Again, as we get ready for our our service time, we pray for your presence, again, to speak with us uh, through uh, the preaching of your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Sorry, went a little over. You got about seven minutes.